Welcome to the other side of midnight. This is Kinthea, and I'm standing in momentarily for Richard C. Hoagland, who was on the call with us just 10 minutes ago, and his internet dropped. So he's rebooting, should be rejoining any moment now. So to find tonight's show page, you would go to theothersideofmidnight.com and click on the banner for tonight's show. It's called A Solstice of Surprises. It's A Solstice of Surprises. Our guest tonight is Rick and Georgia Lambert will be joining us later. And we also have another guest with us, and that's Leslie Regeer. And um, let me see. I just wanted to make sure that to find the page, you would click on that banner. Also, for future shows, you would go to a solstice of surprises. So Leslie is uh, here. She is a noted author, and she's earned her master's in engineering and mechanical engineering from the Department University of Washington. She's run for the representative Washington 7th Congressional District, and she's written articles for Transgender Social Group Newsletter. So she's here tonight. She's going to talk with us about the Supreme Court decision, and I'm also going to introduce our other guest, and we'll kind of have a little roundtable so Richard is able to join us. So our guest tonight is Rick Levine, Rick Merlin Levine. He's a professional astrologer since 1976. Rick Levine has become a respected leader in the global astrology community. He is the past president of the Washington State Astrology Association, co-founder of State, sorry, <laughs> StarIQ.com, a founding trustee of Kepler College, and a co-author of eight years of Barnes & Noble's annual Your Astrology Guide. So I want to welcome you both, Rick and Leslie, to the other side of midnight. Listeners all around the world, some, some, some well, in the well, evening. Well, thank you. And, Welcome. Welcome, Rick. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thank you. Leslie, are you with us? I would really love it if you'd kick this off and tell us about your reaction and how you perceive this Supreme Court decision regarding the LBGTQ community. And would you like me to just read the brief beginning of the decision so people understand what we're talking about. That would be so helpful, and we can hear you now fine. Thank you. So this was a Supreme Court decision. It came out on the 15th of June. It's titled Bostock versus Clayton County, Georgia. And in each of these cases, an employer allegedly fired a longtime employee simply for being homosexual or transgender. Clayton County, Georgia, fired Gerald Bostock for conduct unbecoming of a county employee shortly after he began participating in a gay recreational softball league. Altitude Express fired Donald Zarda days after he mentioned being gay. And RG and GR Harris Funeral Homes fired Amy Stevens, who presented as a male when she was hired after she informed her employer that she planned to live and work full-time as a woman. Each employer sued alleging, or each employee sued alleging sex discrimination under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 64. The 11th Circuit held that Title VII does not prohibit employers from firing employees for being gay, and so Mr. Bostock's suit could be dismissed as a matter of law. Second and Sixth Circuits, however, allowed the claims of Mr. Zarda and Ms. Stevens, respectively, to proceed. Held... An employer who fires an individual merely for being gay or transgender violates Title VII, pages 4 through 33. So that is what is at hand here, is this Supreme Court decision that people cannot be fired simply for being gay or transgender. About time. And I mean, I I can... Go ahead, dear. And I agree, but I have some other thoughts on this. Um, you want to go ahead and Please. Uh, share something in there, and then I'll go ahead and go into some of my thoughts. Well, I was just saying, thinking for from a point of view of any, everyone should have the ability to 
work and pursue their life and their love and their passion without being discriminated against. I mean, it's a basic tenet of being alive. I mean, to express who you are. So I'm so grateful that uh, some common sense is coming into this decision that you can't be fired for being who you are. And I agree with you from that perspective. Um, But when I look at this, okay, on the face, um, let's see, we're offered a win for LGBTQ people. So Mm -hmm. am I to scream, yay, we're better protected now. Let's all go out for pizza and celebrate. Well, you know, on the face, that all sounds great. But I started looking at the details. Mm. And the Supreme Court has opened a huge can of worms. And it took him eight months to decide this. And so here I am for a few minutes to give some thoughts on it. Um, I have a feeling that my thoughts are not what's expected. But, you know, maybe that's all part of, you know, civil discourse and figuring things out. So, um, you know, I, I looked at the accounts of the cases involved, and I see that the employers admit the discrimination, but they interestingly, they, they deny the applicability of Title VII. So I don't need to squabble about whether or not this actually happened. Um, and I think most of us would agree with this, that, you know, this is wrong. You know, termination of employment on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity is wrong. Um, you know, we all, I think most of us all agree on that. Um, at the core, what, what does it mean? It's about someone who is not hurting others, who is otherwise a competent employee, yet who's been sacked for an orientation of loving or, or just existing, coming down to the gender identity. And, um, but, but see, I look deeper. I look deeper at what has been cited and how it's been decided. What are the ramifications? And I, I do see things that trouble me. I mean, I can get excited about what I've been told it does, but I'm looking, I'm looking at the man behind the curtain is what I'm doing here. And, you know, yes, I am a transgendered individual. That's part of my personal history. It's part of my life experience. But that doesn't define me. You know, I'm also a patriotic American who believes in the Constitution and rights for all not casting away some people's rights to give me some rights purportedly. That's wrong. We should all have rights. We should all win. This shouldn't be, you know, robbing from someone now or in the future just for a small payoff now. It's sort of like that old thing about um, temporary security by giving up your rights. Well, I don't want that. So, so yes, I can say this is a win, but when I look at the details behind the scenes, this is not the kind of win I want. I'd rather not have a win through this type of court decision. Mm. Uh, we, we win through people's hearts and minds, through understanding, not through a court decision that I see was politically motivated. And interestingly, if you go through and you read the, the majority decision, they went through some serious mental gymnastics to change the definition of the word sex. And by doing that so that sex means um, sexual orientation or gender identity, they've, they forced a tool or a connection between Title VII as it exists and this issue, which is you know definitely a, a, an issue that needs to be fixed. But it seems that we, and there is legislation, there has been legislation in place to amend Title VII to s- prevent uh, terminations based solely on these, these reasons, but that would also protect those with um, concerns for their religious rights. And the way the court did this, it just dodges around that whole thing. And it's, it's using the wrong tool to you know, come to this decision. You look at those mental gymnastics, it's pretty crazy. And then you look at the, the um, dissenting view from, oh, who was it? It was 
Alito. Alito gave the dissenting view. And in contrast, you read through his comments, and it flows very well. It makes sense. It's quite lucid. And I think that tells us something. That, that goes to what I was saying earlier about, I, I think this is politically motivated. I don't think it was um, simply a, a measured legal decision. There are other factors at work. And, you know, um, go ahead. I find it interesting you're mentioning that because I'm reviewing here uh, some notes sent by Michelle Belmont, who couldn't be on the show. She's in Japan. And she's mirroring this about the Trump decision being political. And I could, if you like, I could share some of her thoughts here. Um, the, the Trump decision? I'm not sure what that means, but go ahead. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, folks. I'm not Michelle. <laughs> so I'll just uh, read you what she has here. The ruling is, in my mind, both substantial and inconsequential. On one level... This ruling only cements an idea that sexual orientation and gender identity are part of sex discrimination. That has been applied unofficially in legal decisions and bureaucratic policymaking for years. This ruling essentially makes it official, which let's, uh, let's not gloss over. It's extremely important. Of course, private sector employers in many states can simply find other ways to find to fire LGBTQ employees and skirt the law. But this at least gives us some ground to stand on when fighting it. Here's what I was referring to. On the other level, this ruling appears to be less about civil rights and more about holding Trump's power in check. When combined with the DACA decision, it seems clear that the court and even Trump's own garage feel the need to continually hold back the antics of the president on a power trip. It boggles my mind as to why Trump has such a vendetta against transgender people in particular. I won't speculate, but he has nevertheless proven that he does. I had once hoped to serve our country's military in some form, but it was never able to enlist. Obama changed that, allowing trans people to serve openly. One could argue that this had, had this happened sooner, a disgruntled Chelsea Manning would not have felt the need to leak sensitive government data to WikiLeaks. However, Trump decided against the protests of his own military generals and advisors to remove these protections and bar trans people. Even in the wake of this Supreme Court decision, he's still trying to remove protections for trans people from the current health care laws. And I can't fathom why. These protections hurt nobody and help trans people make sure they aren't hurt or killed by medical discrimination and lack of care. What's the political or even social value in removing that? It seems even Garosh and a majority of court believe it's more important to protect our laws from Trump than it is to be strict literalist. And that's surprising in and of itself. Lastly, I'd say that it's important to remember that Trump is only a tool of the young, disenfranchised, white, heterosexual males who have in recent years been increasingly racist and aggressively anti-LGBTQ. They have taken this fight all over the social structure of youth, from schools and bathrooms to social media and video games. These people need compassion and education just as much as they need to be fought against. It's important to not just shout, you're wrong, but clearly explain to them why they are wrong and make them feel welcomed and valued in our society as they learn to change. Trump is only a symptom of a larger American disease, which has infected and hijacked the American political discourse. And this machine, uh, Leslie, to me, reflects what you were just saying, Michelle, about people need to change because they're moved from the heart rather than there's some legal paper instructing them they have to change. There's, there has to be an awakening in the people to to have this heart compassion for each other. Yes, so, I agree. I agree. And 
there's a lot of points there for me to come back to, but um, please. And but, and I want to invite Rick also if he wants to jump in. And and one of the points was Michelle pointed out that the employers will just find a different reason to fire someone. Exactly, I agree with that. That that's what they will do. And then there are you know it depends on the state, but you've got at will employment. And depending on the state law, the employer does not even um, need to provide a reason for termination. They can just say, hey, today's your last day. And they don't need to give a reason why. So wow. this, this really doesn't have teeth from that respect. But what I'm concerned about is it could open the field to abuse um, in other respects. And I just think overall, this is not the way to do it. I, I do agree with what, what we're looking at trying to fix. We need to fix this problem, but this isn't the way. That, that's my concern. And uh, Michelle mentioned uh, the disappointment in President Trump's changes with military. Well, you know, I'm disappointed in that too. I am. Um, that doesn't mean that I'm going to use his statements or him as a reason to go completely opposite direction. There are things about the president I agree with, things I disagree with. And I think that's probably, for me, that's a balanced approach rather than, you know, jumping here and there about two extremes. Um, and interestingly, well, Michelle obviously lives in different circles than I do. I, I'd be interested in hearing some of the details on where she's getting some of the information. I see some of that stuff, but there are other things she mentioned that I have not seen. Yeah. Oh, I love to put we the all two have, of you in touch. Right, we all have different experiences in life. Mm-hmm. I, I have this is this is Rick just butting in for a second, and Please. I have a, I have a, a an unbiased and balanced view also, and it's led by the fact that I will not and cannot tolerate anything that's divisive, hateful, and or uh, um, judgmental of how people live their lives. Um, and, um, uh, and although being close to this issue, um, I'm not as personally affected. I'm not, I really shouldn't say that because I am through people incredibly close to me and this has been an important issue in, in my life. But, um, uh, to me, there, there, there has to be a hand in hand. In other words, I, I mean, if we, if we look at the, just, a, a, just because this is, you know, kind of the other piece that's going on right now these days. If we look at the history of civil rights, laws have been passed and we're still where we are. So I hear you there, Leslie, and totally agree that just because you pass a law doesn't change someone's heart. So, you know, absolutely agreed there. Um, However, that is part of the process. And I also think that when a law is passed like that, at least in this country, it does move the process, move the process along. And I do find this interesting since I do tend to look at things through an astrological filter. And I've talked about this on Richard's show a few times over the last couple of years, that the major astrological event of 2020 is basically a similar event that has followed um, both the suffragette and the abolitionist movement all along. um, And that the Saturn-Pluto opposition of 1964 corresponded very closely um, with the um, uh, Civil Rights um, Act of 1964. And this as a clarification of that, and I'm not judging whether it's the only way or even the right way, but I find it very bonds with, a, um, with widening that understanding legally. And I totally agree that legal is not enough, but you know, we have to work at this from every, every level. Yeah, I agree. And and I'll, I'll tell you, I've, I, I feel that I've been successful personally by working with people, not right. against them. Right. And, you know, I have a lot of allies in, you know, a lot of different areas because, you know, I, I think we should all bring each other up. <laughs> people see that. Well, it's interesting to watch these cycles, like what you were speaking of, Rick, that there's an energy here that's a constant like movement forward, but it's also in the cyclical pattern. 
And I'm curious as to where you're seeing that will go in relation to this. Is it? Well, I am an astrologer and a competent astrologer, but I am not a fortune teller. And from that standpoint, I know that um, that every um, uh, that that every approximately 16 to 18 years, Saturn and Pluto um, either align like a new moon together in the sky or in opposition like a full moon. And when you follow that back through history, um, the it's always about boundaries bumping up against boundaries. Sometimes it's not easy. I mean, you know, some of these, you know, tie back to, um, you know, the Protestant Reformation, which we in the modern times don't think it's a big deal, but that was a protest, a protestant reformation that had people rebelling against the authority structures that lived. And around that time, and that was the Saturn-Pluto conjunction um, in 1518, within a couple of months of Martin Luther um, nailing his theses, um, the, the 95 theses on the church wall, just a couple of months prior um, on Halloween evening, actually, in 1517. But the point here is that these cycles keep coming round and round and round and show what happens when, when contrary thought systems, national boundaries, religious issues, lifestyle issues bump up against each other. And, and you know, this is a, it, it's another necessary step. We're far from there. Laws are not, I mean, laws have not, you know, prevented, you know, um, the killing of blacks and or the hanging of blacks in this country. There are certainly laws against it. And unfortunately, I know way too many stories of marginalized um, people, whether it's because of their um, uh, gender fluidity or whether it's homosexuality or transsexuality or whatever you want to call it. And this is it, basically it is fundamentally a it, it is a civil right. But I totally agree that the law is only regardless of what the reason for the passage of the laws. We could say that the passage of the um, you know of uh, of uh, the Fourteenth Amendment was politically motivated too. Whatever the motivations are, the, the 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 legal statutes I think are significant. It may open up a whole lot more doors. I mean, and, and things that we need to talk about. But it's better than not talking about them at all. At least that's my perception. And again, I totally. You know, um, you know, would acquiesce to, um, you know, Leslie, who has probably a much deeper take on this, at least from personal experience than I do. So I do not have a, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not saying anything against what you just said. I'm just adding my two cents. So, Leslie, I'm, I'm curious about how I'm noticing an echo. I don't know if anyone else is. So, um okay. So I'm curious about the discussions around this topic, how that's, how that's going in your community what what are the ways that you see that the conversation can go in a healthier direction what are your recommendations for conversations and where they can take place to lead us to a a more healthier solution really that's really a more loving healthy solution difficult to say other than I think just being open to each other's thoughts. And, mm. you know, look, it's not like I go, I don't have a club card and I, I go check in at the transgender place and, you know, we all sit around and talk. That, um, <laughs> that's not how it works for me. But I do have my social circles. And, you know, occasionally topics come up and we discuss things. And I think it's just a matter of being open to free thought and sharing in a civil manner. That's what. Mm-hmm. You know, as I listen to you, it makes me really think about how when I tap into the core of my being, who I am, I'm not male or female or old or young or from this race or that race. There's a a quality of being everything. I I imagine other people feel that. <laughs> I mean, like. I don't sit there thinking about what I am. I simply am. And well, and the same here. I'm just who I am. 
I'm, I'm a compilation of my experiences and my thoughts and all these things that have happened in my life. It, what we're talking about here tonight does not define me. It's part of my mm-hmm. experience. I'm some other thing that mm-hmm. maybe, you know, the sum of all I've experienced or even greater than that, however you want to describe it. But this is certainly right. something that does reach to my heart. It's, it's um, been very important to me in surviving and, um, you know, getting through life in a, in a happy way, being effective as an individual. It makes me think about the morphogenetic field. It makes me think about the field when Bruce Lipton talks about it or Dr. Dr. Joe Dispenza, how there is this field of consciousness and our brain is the antenna that's tapping in on it. So we each have this unique aspect of all that is, and we're tapping in and bringing in that station. But ultimately, all the drops lead back to the ocean. There's one ocean. There's the field of consciousness that we're all contributing to collectively. And I think that as the conversation is becoming more open, as the media is allowing ideas to exchange faster and faster, it gives us all the opportunity to revisit where we really are. Are we defining ourselves by narrow little boxes or are we embracing a larger view of who we really are? I think that's the conversation that comes up for me when I think about this. Can it's, Yeah, I would actually um, add something to what you just said in as much as, yes, on one hand, we have wider uh, media awareness and exposure to many issues. However, at the same time, we are also seeing more media censorship than we've ever seen when it comes to issues that are that 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 are critical. I mean, we're seeing, you know, the we're seeing some of this reflected in the Facebook and YouTube. I mean, YouTube took, you know, um, tens of thousands of videos, um, the YouTube channel overnight that were reflective of people who were not carrying the party line when it came to two primary issues, one being the, you know, COVID-19 and two being 5G. All of a sudden, there were tens of thousands of videos that just disappeared overnight. So although what you're saying is true, and I agree with you, on the other hand, we also have to be very careful about living in this illusion of more open communication. Well, I love love that. that you bring that up. up. So folks, I'm listening to my echo echo here. (laughs) Anyway, we can't go, we we can't accept that kind of censorship. Right. So what I want to say here is that the very fact that the censorship is happening, it's like the fire it's igniting people because, you know, on the other side of the news, our Friday show, so many of the links we put up, they're censored. So I'm really intimately uh, acquainted with this fantastic research that is being censored. And what it does for me is like, I ask, well, why, you know, what I might not have seen before now I'm curious to see. And now everybody's running over to BitChute and these other sites that are taking that censored material. Only this morning I was speaking with a uh, a young man I hadn't met. Oh, is it time for break? It's that time. Yes. This is the other side of midnight. (laughs) <laughs> the show is called A Solstice of Surprises. Our guests tonight are Leslie Roger and Rick Levine. And we will return after the break. dynamic companion to augment the discussions from the other side of midnight. We investigate, explore, and extrapolate facts to gain better understanding of current affairs and events, and thus 
to bring comfort and calm to our wide international audience. It's a spontaneous commentary based on well-verified references vetted through vigilance and discernment. Our desire is to awaken your imagination with questions. Questions that have not been asked, yet need answering. The other side of the news is a place where you can come and be with us in community. Learning new things, asking questions, getting compelling answers, and interesting viewpoints. It's about curiosity. We present thought-provoking questions to incite your mind, propelling you to see the world in another way. Propelling you to see the world in another way. Clear insights and fresh perspectives on global events. Tune in for a balanced view of the other side of the news. side of the news can be heard here on this network, on this channel, on this website, on this URL, every Friday evening, two hours, 7 to 9 p.m. Pacific time. I warn you, you'll miss it at your own peril. The Other Side of Midnight. So this is Kinthea, and I'm holding the captain's chair just momentarily. Richard was on set for the show, and then his internet dropped, and we expect him to return any moment now. We have a wonderful guest, Rick Levine and Leslie Regere. The show page, if you want to find it, it's called A Solstice of Surprises. And Leslie... I'd like to just pick up with you where we left off. I know you had a thought, and then we'll uh, move on to the next part of the show. So welcome, Leslie. Welcome back. So this decision was a 172-page document. I wrote up a couple pages of notes. I wrote up, I rewrote those into a couple more, and we covered a lot of that. But I thought I would just end with one thing. One of the offline comments was um, the question of how this has affected me personally. And, you know, I have my thoughts in the overall scheme, but there actually is a personal effect that started before this, and this may punctuate it. And that is that for many years, I went through not caring who found out I was transgendered. It just was not an issue. Nobody seemed to care. And you know, I'm just a person, fair people, and my background didn't matter. But then a few years ago, when the whole social justice warrior thing got going, I noticed that the naysayers, the, you know, people saying nay to transgender stuff, LGBTQ stuff, they started getting more vocal in response to people on the other side. And I didn't want to be part of the politics and you know, but now I'm feeling caught up in this thing. I've noticed that as the, let, let's say the activists have been pushing, the naysayers have been pushing back more verbally. And my personal concern is actually for my safety, where I didn't mm. care, bef- where I did not care before who found out I was transgendered. I now ask myself, is it safe to let people know? because of the division that has been promoted. And, and there is promoted division. I don't think it's naturally occurring, but, but it is there. And so that's how it's personally affected me. And we'll just have to see what happens. And I can keep my eye on the comments on articles here and there. That's where I basically see it is in comment sections where people are being 
vicious where they were not vicious before. And you know, it, I, I can tell they're, they're speaking out of ignorance, mm-hmm. but you know, go ahead. Well, and it's unfortunate because usually it's that one ugly voice who will be hammering at it while those who don't even feel that way, sometimes they're being silent. And I wish we need more of us need to speak up so that there's a balance in the conversation because that kind of energy is usually the one that keeps hammering at it and the other, you know, so I don't know that the comments really reflect the balance of thought. And I'd like to see more of us speak out in on the other side of the coin. Well, and, and they do. It, it's just that, um, you know, look for years, I've seen comments here and there in different forums or, or articles, and there has been a change in the tone of those comments. And, I just don't want to feel that I'm being put in personal danger because of, um, you know, some promoted politics. Well, and I think what you're saying is not only valid and true, but also is much wider, not to take anything away from your personal experience, but I think that the promotion of divisiveness, it gets back to what I, my opening little remarks were, it's the promotion of divisiveness, of fear of other, of xenophobia, naming a virus on a foreign country always, whether it's the Spanish who were not participants in the allies in World War I, or, or Hong Kong, or China, or Asia, or whatever. It's always some foreign issue, whether it's the uh, denial and then the disenfranchisement of, of, of black people, and whether it's gays or homosexuals or um, I guess same thing, but or transgender people or people who just choose to define their own being, however it is. I, I mean, all of this is about, you know, the, the hate of people who are other than than we are, um, you know, the, the, what color your state is, red or blue or whatever. And I think it's in a way this is a part of a larger fear that people a few years ago were recognizing that people could be different but you weren't afraid of being, you know, personally attacked, just like you said, or fearful of your life just because of, you know, whatever your situation is. So I totally agree with you. And I think it's, it's, it's part of the, the unfortunate tenor of these times. It is unfortunate. We will get through it. I want to thank you, Leslie, for joining us tonight. And uh, we all hold that you be safe and that all our brothers and sisters be safe. Thank you, Kinthea. All of our family nice, be safe. Thank you, Kinthea. Nice to meet you, Rick. And, nice um, to meet you also, neighbor. Neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you. So, Rick, we keep getting these messages in Skype that Richard's rebooting his computer. His Internet's back on. Oh, rebooting again. So you and I yeah, were they're, clo- they're close encounter they're close encounters of the fourth kind. <laughs> right. So you and I will continue until he's able to join us. So I think I I'm gonna to... let you lead the way since you have a really clear outline of some of the things you wanted to talk about. Well, yeah, you know I, I think it's I mean the discussion with Leslie I think is so critical because it is it is one facet. And again, as I say that, I'm not reducing it to any less important, but it is one facet of a much wider scenario that we're seeing played out. You know, uh, when I say now, I mean this month, I mean this year, I mean this decade, and I mean the last few centuries, this century. It's a larger space and time that we're seeing this incredible thing playing out in, in human history. Um, and I think that from an astrological point of view, and as you said in your introduction, you know, I am an astrologer, and for those people, you know, who who think astrology is limited to horoscope columns in a newspaper, um, I just need to go on record saying that astrology is a study of the correlations of the macrocosm and the mesocosm. The microcosm is where the subatomic quantum realm is. The mesocosm is the middle realm where we live. The macrocosm is the planetary and celestial movements up there and out there. And of course, modern quantum physics um, has us now understanding that these three cosms or 
orders. Cosm is a Greek word, comes from a Greek word that means order and beauty. And to the Greeks, the cosms, the cosmos were, were not only had an order, but were also beautiful. Hence the modern word cosmetic which we think of as covering ugly, really means bringing out the natural beauty. That's the etymological root. And so as an astrologer, I'm particularly interested in creating correlations of the larger um, macrocosmic rhythms, the planetary rhythms with what, happen, with what happens here on Earth. And I must say, though, that although I just dismissed, in a way, newspaper horoscopes that for nearly 20 years I wrote, um, you know, uh, a daily column that had she's 10 to 20 million readers a day online. Um, it was the column on Google, on Yahoo, on uh, LA Times, on Huffington Post, blah, 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 blah. Um, and, um, and so I think that there is some use and some validity to that in the right hands of a right person. But it's only the tip of an iceberg of what real astrology is, which is a a much deeper study of all of the rhythms and how they, they, they relate here on earth. And I also, as long as I have uh, an uninterrupted moment, should say that when I encounter someone who goes, you know, you believe in astrology? I, I, I don't, I think that stuff's crap. I don't believe in astrology. My answer is, oh, so you don't use a calendar. How do you get by if you don't believe in astrology? <laughs> And they, and they go, well, 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 what do you mean? I said, I don't believe in astrology. I believe, of course, the calendar. Well, the calendar is astrological. It is astrology 101 that looks at the rhythm of the moon. And between two new moons or full moons, that's a month. And you divide that in half, and that's a fortnight, which isn't a big deal to us moderners, because we divide a fortnight in half and we get a week. There's no such thing as a week in the, in the world. The week right. is, a, is a construct that is based upon astrology. It's based upon how the rhythm, how our perception of the rhythm of the moon um, uh, structures time. You know, if you don't believe in astrology, you know, then you don't celebrate birthdays because a birthday is simply the time at which the earth comes back to the same position as it was with respect to the sun, as it does every year within a day or two of the day on the calendar that you were born. So people who say they don't believe in astrology to me, are just showing their ignorance. Um, and, and I forgive their ignorance because most people, when they say they don't believe in astrology, I like to say, well, you don't believe in the astrology that I don't believe in either. <laughs> but that's not yeah, astrology. Right. So astrology is, is basically um, the connection of how things are manifest in the cosmos. In fact, the word astrologos Logos, another Greek word, which we think as we think of it in modern times as logic, but anyone who has any biblical connection knows that logos, you know, in the beginning there was logos, and it we and it's sometimes translated as the word or the logical word, but it's more than a word; it's a word that is the right word that hums what already was metaphysical. It hums it into physicality, and so mm -hmm. astrologos or astrology is really a look at how the invisible becomes visible. And we can see that when we begin to realize, you know, that we all live astrologically. Half the, pop, half the human population of Earth bleeds according to a lunar cycle. I mean, the word menses means of the moon. I mean, you know, I mean, we as a species, um, as a patriarchically run species these days, are in total denial of our connection with nature. So I had to do that little rant at first, because as an astrologer, I look at the relationship between events up there and events down here. And we've just had a, um, an eclipse, a, um, a uh, solar eclipse that was just about 24 hours ago. Um, we are here on Sunday evening here in Seattle, Sunday night, um, and the eclipse was, depending upon where you were or where you are, it was either Saturday night, June 20th, um, or um, early in the morning on the 21st in the United States on the East Coast. So why was this such an unusual um, solstice? Well, solstices and equinoxes are the 90-degree points of how time unfolds on Earth. Um, the, you know, we celebrate the beginning of the year as January, you know, 1st, but that was a, a, a political and formal 
um, division that all pretty much all indigenous cultures have begun the year either at the autumn or the spring equinox. Um, in fact, Rosh Hashanah, the Hebrew holiday for the head, Rosh head of the year, um, you know, is the first new moon after the um, autumn equinox. And so the solstices and the equinoxes are basically the hinge points of the time of the year of the earth moving around the sun. And we think of the earth moving around the sun um, and we watch the sun against the backdrop of stars and the sun moves all the way around through the zodiac in a year, but it also moves north and south. And when it gets as far north as it can get, that's the summer solstice here in the northern hemisphere. Now, when it gets as, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, I just wanted to jump in here. <laughs> so you were talking about the indigenous and our yeah. relationship to nature, and so you're talking about these cycles. Yeah. And I, you know, for the uninformed, it sometimes seems like, oh, they're doing hocus pocus. They think they can control this. Rather than what I'm hearing you say is it's an honoring of the relationship that we have with nature and the cycles of nature. And that as we're aware of relationship, then we can move more, more harmoniously with it instead of... Um, exactly. Anyone who's yeah. ever gardened knows that there's times to plant things and times not to. You know, you do not, you do not plant your tomatoes, you know, in September, you know, in the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah doesn't work. I think that's at, at no. astrology is just working with the natural rhythms. Right. But unfortunately, people who often think of the newspaper astrology, they think of it like, oh, this this chart is telling this person what to do every day. And they're giving up their free will and they're just following this around like it's a, a formula for everybody. And that's really not what it's about. It's not yeah. about giving up your free will. It's about choosing to navigate through these celestial cycles in a more conscious way. And, and it's just about increasing awareness. That's it. So mm -hmm. we have these, um, these, these, these solstice points um, that are very important because as the sun, because of the earth's tilt, it looks like the sun goes up and down in the sky. It's like in the summertime, you know, it's uh, 9.30 here in Seattle in the evening, and it's still light out. And in the wintertime, it's dark by 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And it's because the sun has moved far to the south. When the sun goes north and south on its annual cycle, these two solstices, and the word solstice just means sol, like solar, the sun, and stish is like, is, 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 it comes from the still, holding still, um, like... Mm. Uh, and so a solstice is the stillness of the sun. It's the sun standing still. And so these points are significant because the physics of time is based upon these points that we can measure other moving points against. And, uh, you know, in, the, in our calendar, our local astrology, we look at the sunrise and the sunset. We look at these solstice and equinox points, and they are significant points. Now, sometimes when events occur on these significant points, it makes those events even more, even more powerful. And we just had, yesterday was the first day of summer, uh, and, and the first day of summer is simply the summer solstice. That's the point at which the sun, from Earth's point of view, moves into the zodiac sign of cancer. Cancer the crab in the Northern Hemisphere. You think the Tropic of Cancer, Tropic of Capricorn, you don't believe in astrology? Well, then you don't, use the, you don't use latitude and longitude because latitude is basically the degrees that are measured by that sun's movement north and south over a period of a year. And so the, um, the, the summer solstice in the Northern Hemisphere is when the sun moves into the astrological sign cancer and it did that within a few hours of the moon catching up with the sun and creating a solar eclipse and a solar eclipse the moon catches up with the sun once a month once every month but sometimes when the moon catches up with the sun the sun and the moon are on exactly the same 
plain as the earth. And then it looks like the, the moon actually blots out the sun. This is a solar eclipse. And the physics of solar eclipse is fascinating because it, it disrupts the normal flow of time. And I don't want to go too deeply into that right now. I just want to say what the first significance of this solstice of surprises is the fact that we had this solstice with a rare solar eclipse. I say rare eclipse, solar eclipses happen a couple times a year, but rarely do they, do they occur on the solstice point. And in fact, this particular total or this particular solar eclipse was a very particular type of eclipse because it was kind of technically a total eclipse that wasn't total. And what do I mean by that? We've all heard the term of a supermoon when the full moon is close to the earth and the moon looks bigger than usual. We call that a supermoon. That's when the moon is at its perigee. It's closer to earth than it is at other times in its orbital uh, um, elliptical cycle around earth. Now, when so, the moon is farther away from Earth, wait, wait, it is a- can you be- <laughs> before you go on, can I just ask you when when the moon is closer like that, yes. we know what it does to the tides, to the waters. So what impact is it having on us when it's closer? Well, I, I, I think that when it is closer, it's like a radio station. We pick up waves from the planets like radio stations. And when they are closer to earth, they're louder, which isn't always easier to handle. Um, case in point, Mercury turned retrograde last week. We are now in a Mercury retrograde period. Planets go retrograde when they get closer to earth. That's, and I don't want to go into that geometry, but, but the point is that retrograde Mercury's can be difficult. Retrograde any planets can because the radio station is louder. So when we have a, a moon at its perigee closer to Earth and it's a full moon, we feel that lunar um, moody emotional energy even stronger than usual, which is why anyone who works in, in a public service, uh, uh, policemen, firemen, emergency room people know that when a full moon falls on a Friday or Saturday night, um, it's usually busier than it normally is because people tend to experience the fullness of their emotions uh, greater. Need we say more on that? (laughs) Mm. But this particular moon was at its apogee. And what that meant is that when this solar eclipse was exact, if you were right under it and it was directly overhead, as it was in northern India, we didn't have it visible here. You know, it occurred at, you know, um, nine to two or three in the morning, depending where in the United States you were. But if the eclipse was visible, this eclipse was a particular type of solar eclipse called an annular eclipse. And the word annular comes from a Latin word annulus, which means ring. Um, I think it actually is the same etymological derivation of anus. We don't have to go there, but it's a ring. And an annular eclipse occurs when the moon is smaller, when it looks smaller than it normally is, because it's farther away from Earth. And therefore, when it normally makes a total eclipse of the sun and the sky goes dark, many people in the United States saw that solar eclipse a couple few years ago, um, the great American eclipse. Actually, I was on Richard's show that night, um, uh, the night of the eclipse from central Oregon, I, now that I recall. But, but that was a total eclipse where, where in the middle of the day, the stars came out. This annular eclipse, because the moon is smaller, it's still right over the center of the sun, but there's like a donut ring of the sun. And so it never really gets completely dark. And I had the experience of, 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 of seeing an annular eclipse on Boxing Day on December 25th, just six months ago at the previous solstice, because eclipses come in pairs about six months apart. And the previous um, solar eclipse on December 25th was total and overhead in Singapore. And I was there and I saw it. It was just amazing, but it was very different than a real total eclipse. So this unusual solstice was because we had this unusual annular eclipse 
conjunct or at the solstice point at a time when the solstice point is actually oriented toward the galaxy in an important way that only happens for about 40 or 50 years every, I don't know how many tens of thousands of years. Um, That's beyond my astronomy. Um, But it was very, very, very unusual because this eclipse happened within eight hours of the solstice. And because so many planets right now are in retrograde closer to Earth than they normally are, um, Jupiter and Saturn and Pluto are clustered together, creating these dynamic changes that we're seeing all over the planet that in, are including, you know, from, a, from an extraterrestrial point of view, it might have looked like um, March, April and May, it might have looked like Earth was having a stroke. What do I mean by that? All the normal movement and flow of blood or flow of planes and cars and information and produce, it's like everything stopped. And I'm talking here about the, you know, COVID-19 um, pandemic, which I think was really just a, 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 a release point or a, how do I want to say this, a symptom of a deeper pandemic, which was a pandemic of fear, which um, has now taken another level. And this whole, you know, um, uh, flu, uh, or not flu, I'm sorry, um, coronavirus pandemic tied now with the happenings of the past few weeks and this incredible um, awareness or reframing um, of the systemic um, racial uh, um, um, inequity in our quote-unquote free democracy, you know, um, all men are created equal scenario that was just stepped up again with the recent um, Supreme Court decision that we just talked about, uh, you know, a few minutes ago. But all of this feeds into this eclipse that is occurring um, lined up with the solstice and it makes for a very, very different uh, uh, thing. You see, because eclipses are normally associated with a, with a change of regime. Now, that doesn't mean that at every eclipse, whoever is president or king or whatever, but the ancients used to say at an eclipse, they used to say, um, the king must die, long live the king. And what we're seeing here with this eclipse at this sensitive point is a much larger sweep of a view of the world that is a dying view of the world, and, and things are changing, whether you like it or not, whether you're in ignorance or not. Okay, we are actually at the top of the hour, Rick, and so I'd like to yes. bring the conversation back after the break. You're listening to The Other Side of Midnight. The show tonight is called A Solstice of Surprises. And our guest is Rick Levine. And we will catch you on the other side of the break. Thanks for listening to this exciting first hour. Now, the second and third hour of the show is available to Club 19.5 members only. Please support the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 and join our very interesting community. To do that, please visit the website, theothersideofmidnight.com, and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording have the commercials removed, and the sound quality has been enhanced. You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports. We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward, and boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I want to thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out. (laughs) 